good evening everyone welcome you once again to the soulful soulful schools a master class on alternative education in collaboration with helios educor it started with the second edition of master class series a month ago and today being the last day this has taken you on a journey of transformation we were thrilled to introduce you the 30 alternatives holistic and democratic learning spaces selected from across the country where innovative topics informative content and progressive ideas are being shared with you all we are sure that these sessions have inspired you to bring about possible changes alternatives in your school to take your school community to new direction and development i'm very happy to welcome today shri jyoti nivas kumar singh namaskar sir thank you good evening everybody it is indeed a pleasure for me to share my thoughts as well as my experience in the field of education really the field of education was far away from my profession as you might be aware i am a retired police officer and many people feel that police and education do not always go together however i do believe that an educated policeman alone can be a good policeman that apart the sphere of education became the central feature of my life after retirement but the origins of this thought process goes back almost half a century now 19 in 1967 goes back to 1967 when i was a young police officer doing training practical training in a rural police station near patna and that's when i came into contact with the musar community to cut a long story short when i saw the plight of the musars who live in ghettos with no education worth the name working mostly as bonded laborers i was indeed shocked i mean it was a frightening thought really that fellow indian citizens should have a life as deprived as this i remember once entering into a hut of a musar it was a long winter night and i was on my inspection tour of the villages at night and when i entered i found a musar lying under a dirty blanket and to my horror 
along with him, there was a pig. And I couldn't understand why. So I asked my colleagues as to why this guy, this person, was sleeping next to a pig. And the answer horrified me. The answer was that, sir, it is a very cold winter night. And this man just has a worn-out blanket to sleep. And therefore, he, he sleeps next to a pig because that will give him warmth. Now, just imagine the level of poverty and deprivation of the Muslims. And it is then that I told myself that whenever I get an opportunity, I'll try and do something for this community. Of course, I left Bihar on deputation to government of India soon after and served in India and abroad for 35 years. But this thought never went away. It haunted me. It still does, in fact. And then when I retired from Delhi in 2005, I decided to return to Patna after 35, 37 long years to see what I could do for this community. What was shocking was that though so many years had elapsed, decades had elapsed, the condition of the Muslims had not changed significantly, or perhaps had not changed at all. And it was then I realized that something needs to be done for this community so that their lives transform. They have the right to live like human beings. And I thought the only way that this change can be brought about is by educating the Muslim children who can then make a quantum jump in life and become catalysts of change within their community. They would be able to improve not only their own lifestyles and that of their families, but in due course, engender a transformational change in the community itself. And that's how this thought came of starting a school for the Muslim children, a fully free English medium residential school. Of course, I didn't have the resources to start a school. But nevertheless, with whatever little I had and I could muster from within the family and some friends, I recruited four or five Muslim children and put them in a residential school in Patna. This is how the story began. And believe me, I don't have a rational explanation as to how it was possible for us 
Pashushit Seva Sai to become what it is today. Slowly but surely, it grew in size. And today, there are 600 children, research children, studying in the school called Shoshit Samadhan Kain. It's a long story to cut it short. I was able to acquire more than two acres of land near Patna and construct a building which can now house up to 1,000 students in residence. It's a full-fledged school up to plus two level and affiliated to the central board of secondary education. It's an English medium school because I do believe that the knowledge of English does open up gates for employment. New opportunity does give you new opportunities for employment. And the second challenge was that you can't, you couldn't have lateral entry into the school because there was no education in this community. So imagine, you have to begin from the beginning. Children are admitted to the school as young as six to seven years. How many of us would allow our child as young as that to go to a hostel? It was a challenge initially to recruit children. Now it isn't. So we take in children in preschool class and then look after them for 13 long years till they graduate from school with a plus two degree. I must say that very few of us would allow our child as young as six to seven to be taken away to join a hostel. The credit does go to the parents of these children who willingly and happily agreed to send their children to partner for schooling. And you know, for them, Patna is as far away from their village as London or New York is for you and me. They hardly venture out of the village. This community is primarily, as I mentioned earlier, landless agricultural laborers. Most of them are bonded laborers because they get into a debt trap and never get out of it. So they live on the margins. And therefore, for them to send their children to Patna to join a hostel, I think was a very courageous step. Now, of course, with the credibility that the school has established, it is not at all difficult for us to recruit children from remote villages of Bihar. 
and the idea is to cover as many villages as possible, preferably remote villages, so that we create catalysts of change in as many Musar ghettos as possible. Musars don't live in within the village. They have to live in the outskirts, in ghettos, because they are the lowest of the low, the most untouchable. So those ghettos are in Bihar known as Musar Tolis or Musaris. So anyway, today we have 600 children in school. We have a faculty of more than 20. And it is certainly a challenging task to teach this, these children and keep them busy the whole day. Now, what are the thoughts, my thoughts on management of school and education? First of all, I would like to touch upon management of school. Friends who are listening to me, I would like to tell them with all the force that I can command that pay attention to small details in your school. You know, we have a tendency that the higher we are in the administrative hierarchy, the more we feel that these small things should be taken care of by smaller people, by the junior people. That is not the kind of work, work ethics which will engender good management of the school. It's the job of the head of the institution to pay attention to little things that happen in the school. And if you manage these little things well, you'll find that it becomes so much easier to manage the more important or the so-called more important things with regard to running a school. For example, the toilets in the school are they neat and clean? The classrooms, are they well dusted or not? Because unless you put these small things right, the school will lack the atmosphere of efficiency. And that will demotivate not only the students, but also the staff, the faculty. I think one of the big problems with the rural schools in India today, and those run by the government particularly, is exactly this. Shops are not available. Books do not arrive on time. Textbooks. There's shortage of exercise books. 
furniture. So do ensure, no matter how expensive the school you run, that these little things are taken care of. The other important aspect of management of school is that you should, as the head of the institution, have no favorites. You must not only be impartial, but seem to be impartial by your staff and faculty. Make sure that you do little things for them, which will make them feel that they are wanted, that you care, that you are concerned about. So this is again a very important, and we lack this as a nation. We lack this quality. And it is the result of many of our inefficiencies in the organizations that we have in the country, whether it's government or in the private sector. So I say, you must, you must not only be impartial, but also compassionate. But having said that, compassion does not mean leniency. It does not mean overlooking faults and saying chalta hai. That can undermine the management of the school. So if you find if there is anything wrong which is going on, anything which is not up to standard in your school, please do take corrective measures. Please do advise and even warn those who are responsible for that work. So compassion, of course, but also concern. I think one of the big challenges that we face in the classrooms is to make the classroom interesting. I don't think I'm wrong when I say vast majority of teachers in this country go into a class and deliver their lecture mechanically. This leads to decline in the standard of education that you are offering your kids. And equally importantly, it makes the students 
less interest in the teacher. So I think the primary job of the management is to ensure and see how best the teachers of the school make their class interesting. Classes should not be an infliction. It should be something the boys should look forward to. And if that is achieved, I think school shall achieve excellence. So classroom teaching quite obviously has to be the crux of good management of the school. The next question is, the next obvious question is, what should one do? How does one ensure that the classes are interesting? that the students are attentive in class. That is the challenge. I'm sure many of you who are listening to me this evening have been in the field of education for decades. And I'm sure all of you have your own views on this very important issue. I believe that one of the most effective way of making a class interesting is to make it interactive. Classes are not supposed to be a monologue from the teacher. The attention span of a child cannot be and must not be and will not be 45 minutes or 40 minutes at a stretch. Therefore, it is so important that a classroom teaching must be broken up into three or four parts. It's not very difficult for any teacher to do that. It's not a rocket science. Neither does it require very high grade of intensive training for a teacher to adopt this method. The only thing which stops him from doing so or stops her from doing is mental laziness. Now, what do I mean by interactive teaching? Basically, the first 
15 minutes of a period is that of the teacher. Teacher must know, must plan, and must deliver in an interesting manner what he or she wants to tell about the topic to the kids. Use the blackboard. Sometimes read from the book itself. But after that, after those 15 minutes, the class must become interactive. The next 15 minutes must be given to the student to ask questions about the topic at hand, what has been taught for the first 15 minutes. If the children are shy, and they're likely to be, the teacher must name the child whom he or she wants to ask a question. even help him to frame the question based on his understanding or lack of it of the subject at hand. And once the students know that asking questions is, uh, uh, is not going to irritate the teacher, in fact, not asking questions will irritate the teacher, you'll find that children will be forthcoming. So I said, as I said, the next 10 to 15 minutes should be that of the student. Make sure that they ask questions. If not, you help them to ask questions. Sir, can I interrupt you for a minute, sir? Those you have five more minutes. Sitting in the back bench. Sir, you have five more minutes. And the next 10 minutes. You must, if possible, have an audio-visual display to explain to the kids the topic at hand and clear the doubts which they have raised after your first five, 15 minutes of your presentation. I think this method of interactive teaching will help the students to get interested in you and your class and the subject that you teach. Unless you are able to create interest in them, in what you are teaching, you cannot be a good teacher. And therefore, 
it is so important for the leader of the school the management of the school to ensure that the teachers understand the importance of interactive teaching nothing repeat nothing can replace this method in making your class in schools in question and helping the students to understand what they need no i do know that many management look at completing the course as the focal point of teaching that should not be the case revision only means repeating what had been done in the first phase of teaching that again is not the way to revise tests discussions are the only way to ensure that the boys that the students understand what has been taught we at our school social samadhan came face a peculiar challenge which perhaps why perhaps more than 95% of the schools in india do not face we are trying to educate first generation learners students coming from families which have not known education at all find it very difficult to concentrate retain and reproduce but we have noticed that given the right kind of teaching the ability of the student over the year to retain and reproduce improves dramatically well first few batches have passed out from my school as i said i started this way back in 2005 and we are in 2020 you will be happy to know that three of them are studying engineering from the national school of haryana at gurgaon and four are doing ba bed and ba blb from the central university of south bihar there both are prestigious institutions two of the boys who passed did their 
plus two this year have by god's grace competed in the preliminaries of iit and they have appeared at the final examinations and i hope they will get into an i imagine the impact that this is going to make on the muslim community producing an engineer from iit of mobile known institute or producing a lawyer or a teacher was done dabed from an institution as well known as the central university of south bihar my next challenge is how to provide higher education to these children so that when they pass out from the university they can get jobs which will enable them to become catalysts of change in the community change the very profile of their families and their community in due course and if in the next 30 years the report if in the next 30 years we are able to produce such catalysts of change it will certainly change the very profile of this community which has languished in poverty for many a millennia that is the silent revolution that shoshit sebasan aspires to achieve thank you very much it has been a pleasure talking to you and i hope you have not found it too boring my discourse on this rather esoteric subject management of school and education thank you once again and god bless you thank you so much sir i mean it's one of the things that most of the educators need how to manage a school they may be very good teachers but how to manage a school is very very important and uh, we have two things like uh, you have touched the education uh, with the community and also that in a school small things matter a lot we have learned two things today uh, i think now let's go to the question and answer session so the first question is what changes are required in teacher training in india i basically what i would try to stress is that training on job and under the watchful eyes of the management is the only training which will matter these workshops going to and doing six months course in some training teachers training institute i don't know how effective they are in molding a teacher into becoming a better teacher it's the job of the management to train the teachers on the lines i just now discussed and that's what i've been trying to do in my own school we fortunately have a principal who has experience of teaching for many for a decade or more know something about pedagogy and i am encouraging the the principal to do to train the teachers on the job 
under the watchful eyes of the management. And this is the best training that our teachers require. And it is an ongoing process, really. It is training a teacher is not about doing a course. It's, a, it's about acquiring a skill and the knowledge to teach, and more importantly, interest in teaching. I believe is the most important aspect of training a teacher. The second question is, can teachers be motivated to be passionate performers? Can teachers be motivated to be passionate performers than mere professionals? Yes, that is the key. How to make them, basically what it really means, is, this question means is how to make them interested in the job. Look at the job at hand, not just as, a, as an assignment, but as a passion. And this can only happen if the management and the teachers are on the same page. And the management takes keen interest in how the teachers are teaching. The management takes keen interest in how the teachers are teaching. This. This is what I believe. This is what I believe is important to make the to make to motivate the teachers to be passionate performers and not mere wage earners. So the management, the teachers must work in tandem. And then the response that the teacher will get from the class. If the teacher is really passionate about teaching, itself will be a great motivator. So one aspect will feed the other aspect of this entire question of passionate performance. And I'm sure that is one way that the process of improving the quality of teaching will become a continuous process, not a one-off affair. Uh, yes, sir, that's, that's the key to the teaching profession. What strategies will help a teacher to bring in better motivation and inspiration in a classroom situation? I think I touched upon that, more than touched upon, I discussed that at some length when I was talking about how a subject is to be tackled in a class. Interactive teaching, I believe, is, is the key. Inspiration will come from the teacher only if the teacher is able to make the subject interesting for the student. So the key basically to motivation and inspiration is how a subject is tackled by the teacher. Make it interesting. It should not be dreary. A classroom, a class should not be dreaded. The student must look forward to, ah, today it's this class. 
Now, once that happens, you'll have inspired your students to get to deliver the best. So, as I said, interactive teaching, establishing a rapport, recognizing good work where it is done, encouraging those students who are not doing as well, not by shouting at them, but by trying to tell them how they can do better. These are the ways to inspire students and make your classroom an inspirational one. Thank you so much, sir. Now we have a discussion session. I invite Anshu Sagi uh, to discuss on the question asked by the speaker. What measures you think are essential for getting the best out of teachers and the students? Anshu Sagi, ma'am, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, please. Yeah, me. yes, we can hear you. Yeah, good evening, everyone. And it's my pleasure. Uh, to attend these 30 sessions with all of you. They were really inspiring and there were so many good speakers there which discussed so many times the measures which can be taken to, uh, for, uh, to getting the best out of teachers, including uh, Mr. J.K. Sena who was talking about that how, what else the teachers can do. Most of the good teachers, sir, do all this and uh, that's how the students remember them. I have been a <clears throat> teacher for uh, 32 years and retired as a principal. And now I'm working for an organization which is known as Ayurganyas, where we are also working on the emotional development of the children, where we are talking about, because most of the schools, the mainstream schools, if you talk about, not the ones which are here, which are fearless educators, um, they only work on the cognitive domain on the of the children and most of them left the affective domain to either the family or, or uh, the peers to, to deal with. So we make curriculum which, which deals with uh, the emotions, how to regulate them, how to develop virtues, how to discern, how to, be, how to take universal responsibilities. So in my small knowledge, if I have to talk about this topic, uh, measures from getting best out of teachers and students, the first and the foremost, I think, is the happiness of teachers and students. So as uh, Mr. Sena was saying about the uh, how to, uh, uh, I mean, the children should be happy, uh, should say that they should go to the a class and should be. So that only happens when a, a teacher creates a happy environment and happy learning environment. So the learning is much better in a happy environment. The other important thing which I feel is that compassion in a teacher is very important. Most of the teachers are women and no offense to the men, but uh, women has got as a motherhood have got a, uh, an inherent uh, compassionate, uh, a compassionate attitude, which must come also in their class. And just school environment, the management to it 
about teacher the, and then it percolates into the students and the administrative staff and everybody else and we have listened to so many good speakers and you've seen the strategies they have adopted to uh, to make the environment compassionate and happy and in these environments uh, the learning takes place and and it's a happy learning environment and it's a yes ma'am can i interrupt you for a minute ma'am sure. can i interrupt you for a minute uh, sir would you like to reflect on what uh, uh, ma'am was telling one can only agree with sir uh, make the classroom a happy place uh, but happy place which will engender learning that is what is important happiness must not be mistaken happiness of a student must not be mistaken for fun that would be dangerous but yes if the students are not happy as i said the student must look forward to each and every class that they are supposed to attend and if that is so it implies that they are happy attending the class they are happy to be in the class so that is that is the uh, touchstone on which you should measure the happiness and the efficacy of your teaching yeah i totally agree with you sir yes ma'am and uh, and definitely the happiness doesn't mean that it's for fun happiness means definitely That's that the environment right. for learning has to be happy right. so the so, teacher must have that have that talent that's true training and aptitude to know exactly when teaching does not get reduced to entertainment sure it should be interesting but not it cannot be and must not be entertaining sometimes teachers mistake one for the other that's and true that is that is not correct that the management must must very keep an eye on that 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 that's very true so mm -hmm. the uh, second thing which i would like for the teachers and students yeah. is that how to overcome challenges because uh, you know it's life and challenges are all over are always going to be there and i was very happy yesterday when indra ma'am was talking about and she said that covid is a challenge and uh, you know it is uh, it is one's attitude to look towards a challenge so initially everybody felt that uh, now we are stuck at home how are we going to do it was a big challenge for teachers because suddenly from uh, face to face teaching we all had to go into a uh, into a virtual training with virtual uh, teaching for which uh, many of us were uh, were not trained for but uh, teachers i'm so happy have also accepted this challenge very well and many of them have come out with so many good uh, uh, good opportunities for children uh, to to learn and uh, and that is how uh, the learning is uh, also taking place in these times and the other thing was that looking at positively that the children have, are staying at home they have looked at their parents they have also realized how their mothers work and they create a work Uh, and form balance so all that is also a learning so the attitude and the positivity matters a, a lot and how to take the challenge in a positive manner also matters a lot 
So this is one of the measures uh, which, which if a teacher or a student adopts, it becomes much, much better. Uh, people, yes. also talk, uh, people also talk a lot about experiential learning. And I've seen, I was, I was a principal of a school uh, in, uh, in Delhi, and I had 5,000 children. And wherever we implemented, although in big schools, it is very, very difficult, but whenever we implemented experiential learning in whatever small form, the learning became much, much better. So whatever small, small things we can do, even in a main, mainstream school, uh, things, uh, things improve and the learning improves. So I feel yeah. but, that, yes, sir. But you know, this is very academic for me. Uh, <laughs> for the simple reason that the students of my school come from the poorest of the poor families, living in the most remote villages of Bihar in dire poverty. So there is no way that I can access them through distance learning. They don't have the smartphones, they do not have a laptop, they do not have the environment in the home to attend classes on online. That is an added challenge in my school, which perhaps yeah. most of you may not have faced. So here, yeah, no. this, is, this is a totally an academic question for, for Shoshit Samadhan Kiri. Including Sipahi ke bache, jo ki first time learners hote hain, jaise ki aap keh rahe the, unka first time learning hota hai. To matlab jo chote chote obstacle hain, wo bahut hote hain. Aapke ham to aur zada hain, I can understand. Lekin ek chote se phone se bhi ham unko login karna sikhate hain. कि जब पेरेंट वापस लौट आता है और छोटे से फोन से चाहे आप व्हाट्सएप से उनको मैसेज भेजें सो और लर्निंग का मतलब ये नहीं है कि जो स्कूल की टीचिंग हो रही है वही हो रहा है आई थिंक सर इट्स बीन वेरी रियली इंटरेस्टिंग फ्रॉम अचमैम एंड यू एंड नाउ आई थिंक आई ओपन द फ्लोर फॉर वन और टू क्वेश्चन Maximum uh, Namaste, uh, Dr. Sina. This is uh, Ganesh from uh, Chrysalis Chennai. Uh, one statement which you said caught me attention that uh, the, the most smallest details are the most important one in running a school. Uh, it's a culture, right? It will not come only from an individual like you. So I'm super interested in, and keen to learn how do you even bring this culture to uh, all, of the, all the people? Because uh, they have to kind of discriminate and say that what is very important, what is not very important. And how do you settle those issues? Uh, be great if you can yeah. throw some light on that. Sure, sure. Very good question. Practical question. The only way you can ensure this culture in your school is by practicing it to yourself. I, when I go to the school, my first, I try to observe these little things, which will give me an idea as to how the school has been running. For example, uh, sir, for sorry example, to interrupt you. Sorry to interrupt you. Is your IPS background also played a role on that? No. Basically, I wish this was a national culture. Okay. I'm okay. sorry to say that as a nation, we have not learned to give importance to small things in life. Now, I'll give you a small anecdote. 
which might interest you. Uh, J.R.D. Tata, a legendary figure. And you know when Tata, J.R.D. Tata was alive, the Air India used to be owned by him. I was told by not one, but many Air India officials that when he inspected a plane, or when he even entered the plane, the first thing he would go into would be the bathroom. And he would judge the quality of management by looking at what, how clean, neat the bathroom was. This was his habit, and he was a great man. So this, I've had this opportunity to see abroad when I've been abroad. Uh, that is one big difference between us and many of these advanced countries, where the top management, Japan, for example, very, very particular about small things being done properly. And then big things follow. So I would advise all of you, all the teachers and principals and school managers who may be listening to this discussion this evening, please do not omit looking at the smallest thing in your class. Does all your students, do all your students have pencils? Do they have copy books if you're running a school for the underprivileged? Do they have furniture to sit on? Does the fan work? Is the light sufficient? Is the classroom clean? Is the environment clean? So as a manager, you must have an eye for this. You must sometimes stand and see how your children eat if it is a dip, if it is a it's a it's a hostel it's a residential school little things how the dormitory for example how do the students maintain the dormitory that will give you an idea a very good insight into the discipline in the school so whether the bedding is rolled properly or not whether the shoes are kept in place or not these are little things and I would, it's not necessarily that I picked this up in, in the police. Uh, this I've heard and seen while I've been abroad and I've been, and, and I've had the opportunity to interact with people. And I lay a lot of stress on this. And uh, cleanliness of the compound. Do you have a, if you have a garden, then is it well maintained? You know, all this creates the right ethos in the school, the right atmosphere in the school for the students themselves to become conscious, to become responsible. Sir, that's true. Uh, I agree with you totally for that through the session, uh, saying that this is... Uh, the last of the masterclass series and we have thoroughly enjoyed and especially today's session we have a lot of things to take uh, to the schools and uh, also that we are not stopping with that and uh, we'll uh, see you all in the next uh, series from uh, November 1st to number 30th. Shubham, are you there? Please, can you join? Yes, I am there. Thank you so Shubham. much for inviting me. Yeah. It's my pleasure to have you here to interact with such great educators here.
I am representing Helios Adupore. I am General Manager Helios Adupore Private Limited. We are into medical and engineering entrance exam preparations. I would love to interact with all of the educators after the sessions. I'm so sorry that I could not connect with you during last couple of sessions. I would love to thank Dipankar and the entire team of Future School leaders for creating such an amazing platforms during these times and have us interact on such platforms. Thank you so much team and thank you so much educators. I would love to be a part of your connection uh, going forward. Thank you, Shubham. That's very nice uh, of you. And I think I'll say goodbye to everyone. Have a nice day. And, and uh, whatever you have got put it from these sessions of 30 days, take it to your school as a small thing if you change in your school. Also, will make a lot of uh, change in the school, not only to the school, to the community. And as Mr. Sinha said, if you can help uh, the kids, rural kids or the street kids, so that they also come up and have their life. Thank you so, so much. And thank you Dipankar for giving this opportunity. And I thank one and all for participating in this good evening to everyone thank you thank you all